You're listening to the Simple Pen Podcast, Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to the Simple Pin Podcast. Today we have a great guest that I am so excited to learn from. Her name is Kim Harrington. She's an SEO and analytics expert and founder and owner of Orsana, a digital marketing agency. Kim teaches digital entrepreneurs how to get found online, how to better serve their audiences, and make money through their websites through savvy marketing strategies. She shares each week about SEO and analytics tips on her blog and her weekly SEO newsletter. So with that introduction, I would like to welcome to the show, Kim Harrington. Hi, thanks so much for having me. You are so welcome. I cannot wait to hear all the good, awesome things you're going to share. So before we dive into all the SEO stuff, let everyone know a little bit about you and why SEO is your favorite thing. Sure. So I started just as a hobby blogger, as many people start on the internet, just right after I graduated from college that I graduated during the recession and knew that I wouldn't have any creative outlets when I first started working and started my career life. So I started a blog to just kind of try to keep being creative and kind of saw the technical side of things and got really interested in it and started researching SEO. Eventually, I got a job working as a content marketer for a digital marketing agency and learned a lot from them. And that's where I really started to learn more about SEO and eventually went on to open my own digital marketing agency. And my fiance joined that company this last year. So we run that company together every day and have a blast doing it. And the reason why SEO is my absolute favorite thing to do in digital marketing is because it incorporates the technical side of things of making sure that your code is good and your website load times are really fast. But it also takes all of the sort of writing side of my brain that I was an English major in college and I speak French fluently. So language is really one of the things I love the most. And SEO kind of combines the science side with the more touchy-feely woo-woo side. And it puts both of those together. And that's this misconception about SEO is that it actually has a lot to do with woo-woo things that a lot of people think it's just keywords, but that's not really actually true. Well, that's really interesting. I love the way you described that woo-woo thing because <laughs> I think there is so much mystery around SEO. And first, let's establish for those who are listening who are like, what in the world is SEO? Sure. So SEO stands for search engine optimization, and it's the act of making your website and your content be able to rank better in search. And when I say rank better in search, that means show up higher in search results. So there's a lot of jargon in SEO, but people really shouldn't let that persuade them not to pursue SEO because it's actually quite easy if you're a good writer Mm. and that the technical aspects of SEO aren't the things that are the most important. It's actually speaking to search engines in a way that they understand, but also doing all those things that we do that market to humans as well. That's a really good point. And I think intimidating for even someone like me, because I hear SEO and I just kind of shut down. Absolutely. Because I think there's so much that has to do with this technical part 
And also because I am not a skilled writer, but I like to write. I like to write conversationally. So it'll be interesting to see as we kind of work through this, how someone who isn't a super great writer and is also afraid of SEO can start to test the waters and not be as nervous, I guess. That's what I would love for you to break down for us for sure today. Sure. So a lot of SEO we hear in relation to what you said, we talked about Google, but can SEO, can it work for Pinterest too? Is there an element there that we need to be aware of? Absolutely. Pinterest actually is a search engine as well, but people really don't think of it that way because it works differently than traditional search engines. So when we think about traditional search engines, that's typically Google and Bing, though Bing obviously does not get used as much as Google does. It's like something like 60% of all searches are done on Google. But in fact, Pinterest is one of the number one spots that people search for things. It's just the reasons why they use Pinterest for a search engine is different than Google. And the ranking factors, so those are the criteria that whatever medium that you're on, whether it's Pinterest or Google, the things that sort of make content good on each platform is different. So Google's qualifications differ from Pinterest and those also differ between Google and Bing and every single search engine has their own ranking factors and algorithm that they use. So the algorithm is just an assemblage of all these different factors put together in a weighted formula. Okay. How can we start to incorporate some of our SEO or what kind of tips for SEO can we incorporate into our Pinterest strategy? Are there certain places we should do it? What does it look like? Sure. Well, the first thing that you have to understand is that the searcher intent for Pinterest is different. So to elaborate on this a little bit more, Pinterest is a unique platform in that it's what we want to be. And it's very aspirational that that's something people talk a lot about when it comes to Pinterest marketing, that it's a place to discover. But Pinterest has evolved. It's gone from really being a visual bookmarking tool to a place of discovery. And now it's really turning into a place where people plan to take action. So it's undergoing a transformation. And that's also promoted by Pinterest itself of that they started doing promoted pins. And the purpose of promoted pins is to get people to take an action on those pins, whether it's buying something or clicking on it to get to the website, that that's what advertisers are paying for. So Pinterest is really making that transition from just pretty pictures to look at to a place where it's for planning and actually doing things. And it might be total Pinterest fail, but it's something that we have to consider when we start to incorporate Pinterest strategy and in, in SEO together. So mm-hmm. the difference between Google and Pinterest is that people are looking to discover interests, whereas Google, they're looking to go for a specific answer. Okay. So that's something to consider in SEO searcher intent is one of the first things you have to isolate to figure out how people are using your content and what they're looking for on that particular platform. So for Pinterest, it's getting that engagement of discovery, but then promoting action at the same time. And so for you to be able to find that searcher intent, do you look through Pinterest analytics? Do you look at a particular group of pins? How do you really find what they're looking for? It takes a lot of brainstorming as the first step, but it's kind of baked into Pinterest in the beginning. So for instance, if I'm creating the ultimate guide to Pinterest SEO, and that's the thing that I'm focusing on creating that piece of content, I have to think about why would someone on Pinterest want to find 
something about Pinterest SEO, what's motivating them to get there. In all likelihood, they're looking to increase the number of clicks that they're getting from Pinterest to their website, that that's probably the number one reason. So it would be thinking about, okay, so this person wants to get more traffic from Pinterest. So how do I create a pin that displays that intent that they're going for of brainstorming and thinking this person wants more traffic from Pinterest. So it might be in the image itself that I create for that content says something along the lines of get more traffic from Pinterest through Pinterest SEO, because they might not know the exact phrase of Pinterest Mm. SEO. So that's things to consider when you're trying to discover searcher intent is thinking about why is someone looking for it? What are they looking to get out of it? And how can you help them do that? Okay, got it. And then is it important to add those keywords then into descriptions, into other areas as well? Or is it really we're focusing in on the image because they're going to click on it? It's actually both things at the same time. And that's what makes Pinterest really unique. Google is really about text. Google can't see images, but Pinterest actually uses visual analysis tools and they use them mostly for spam, but there's some kind of conclusions that Pinterest marketers have made that they can tell the difference between pins and that they can interpret what they mean. And this is really relevant to when you visually search a pin, you know, you search a dress, it knows exactly what the neckline is or the shape of the dress. So those visual analysis tools are likely coming into play in Pinterest's ability to rank pins in search and also in smart feed that it understands relevancy through visual cues. So that's kind of a difference between Pinterest and Google. However, keywords are still really important for Pinterest. So the first thing is to figure out why people are searching for it and then isolating the words that someone might use to understand the thing that you want to present to them. So that's where keyword research really comes into play. So I'm sure you've heard of before using the Google Keyword Planner tool before to look for keywords, but it is the most clunky thing ever. And most people get really intimidated by it because it's it's really not intended for that purpose at all. And it's a SEO tool that, that SEOs, and that's a kind of weird way of talking about people who do SEO. We call them SEOs, That's hilarious. <laughs> which is strange, but it's the yeah. uh, it's kind of the only word we have for it. Mm-hmm. But they use it even though it's really made for advertising. The keyword okay. planner tool is for advertising and it's for getting together Google AdWords ads. Mm-hmm. My fiance, he does our AdWords side and we use the keyword planner tool entirely differently of the way he uses it to do advertising he gets far better results of what kind of information it shows versus the information I'll see when I'm looking for organic keywords. So that's something to keep in mind when you're looking for keywords and keyword planner tool, it can be really misleading. So it's something that you want to learn how to use and understand, but understand the limitations of it when you're doing your research. And so with the keyword planner tool, let's say you're just a complete newbie and you just are clueless as to how to use it. Is there any good online tutorials that people could look at just to give them a cliff note version of how to just find basic keywords? 
Yeah, there's a really great tutorial. I think it's by Backlinko, and I'll be sure that we can provide the link for our listeners here today. Okay, yeah, we'll have it in the show notes. Okay. And that they can go take a look at that. And it gives you a way to do what's called organic keyword research. So those are for those unpaid keywords that you're looking for just to incorporate into your copy. And it's a really good basis of how to get started with the Keyword Planner tool. And for those people who have never signed up for the Keyword Planner tool before, there, there is one caveat that you should be aware of that when you sign up for the tool, it will ask you for your credit card information that it requires you to start an ad, but you can stop the ad as soon as you start it and not be charged anything. So that way you can Mm -hmm. get access to the keyword planner tool. And I made that mistake. So just so you know, I signed up for it, gave my credit card, and I never stopped the ad. (laughs) And so a month later, I got a bill for like $40. And I was like, what is this? So yes, that is really important. If you're going to sign up for it, make sure you cancel the ad right away. Absolutely. And the AdWords platform is not very intuitive, but you want to go. No, it's not. You want to go into your account settings in the upper right hand corner. And that's where you can cancel your ads as you go through the directions there. Or you can also Google actually has very good tutorial content that if you just put in how to cancel AdWords, it will illustrate how to do that. Or you just wait till you get a bill Absolutely. and then they say, here's how you manage your settings. And, oh, man. So, yes, don't make my mistake. Save yourself the 40 bucks. Or you could just leave it running if you decide you want to do ads. <laughs> That's true. The other That's alternative. True. It's definitely worth experimenting with the Keyword Planner tool. And you, the information that you get in the Keyword Planner tool is, again, oriented towards advertisers. So when you see things like competition and price inside of the keyword planner tool, those things actually don't matter very much for organic research. So what what matters more is the traffic numbers of how many people are searching. And one thing that you'll notice, you want to make sure you include lots of variants. So keyword variants are things like dog beds, and beds for dogs. Those are different keywords. Even though they're the same concept, they're actually not the same keyword. Okay. And we're talking like where we put these keywords, just so for point of reference, we want to be putting these in the post for sure, but also in the description portion, in the text overlay, all of those things on Pinterest, correct? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So as a checklist to go through to make sure that you're hitting the right places, I have a post up on my blog that will be ready for all our listeners that has this checklist in it. So your image name, before you even upload your image to your website or to to Pinterest, you want to make sure that it is named with the keyword, your pin description, your board name, your board description, your profile name. If you can get your username to include the main keyword that you want to target overall. So for me, it might be my name, SEO, because I'm targeting SEO, for example. Okay. Then your about description, your content URL, and as well, any sort of additional places that you want to include your keyword in, in your copy itself, in your pin description, you want, you always want to put it towards the beginning of whatever you're writing, whether it's your pin description, your about page, your, your post, your title, all those different things, you want to place priority on that keyword by putting it towards the beginning of whatever that text is. Okay, so let's take the example you used earlier was increasing page views from Pinterest. Was that the the words that we were using for that sure. pin? 
Okay. So let's take that example. So what would that look like if we're using that keywords? Would you use the exact same keywords, that phrase that you just used over and over again in all those places? How would that look for somebody just starting out and where practically, how would they use it? You'd want to vary it a little bit. You don't want the exact same keyword repeated over and over because that can feel really spammy. If you remember the pins before Pinterest really started to implement spam Mm -hmm. protections where it would be like dog bed, dog bed, dog bed. You had the same three words over and over. You want to avoid that same concept in your copy and make sure that whatever text you're using, that you're using variants. So for instance, if we were writing a pin description, we might say, increase your Pinterest traffic by using these Pinterest SEO techniques. You can gain more traffic from Pinterest by doing these three things. So those two variants in there of increase traffic from Pinterest, get more traffic from Pinterest, they're the same concept, but they are different keywords. So you want to vary those throughout. So when you do your keyword research, what you do is you look for the number one, the one that gets the most traffic, and that's the one you give the number one priority in the number of times and places that you use that keyword. Then get a secondary keyword that's a variant of it. So that would be that traffic from Pinterest instead of increase Pinterest traffic, that those two variants, you figure out which one gets more traffic. And the best way to do that is by looking at the keyword planner tool to get that number. Okay. And then use the variants in order of priority of the most trafficked ones being the ones that you focus on and being the ones that you use first. And will someone know which ones are ranked highest with the keyword planner tool? Like they're going to go in there and they're going to see it's at the top of the list. They can go with the one at the top of the list. Or is there some other number we're kind of looking for? You'll have to look at it's the search traffic number. It's, I believe, the second column in the keyword planner list of keywords that it gives back to you. And you just want to hit the top of the column to order it in order by traffic that that'll allow you to look at it. And you'll have to sort through the list of what ideas it gives you, depending on how you use the keyword planner tool, it'll either give you just back the keywords that you plugged into it, or it might give you a whole list of new ideas as well, depending on how you use it. So looking at all of those and determining which ones are most valuable is what's important when you're selecting your keywords, and then deciding on how to use those in your copy. Okay. So if I'm a food blogger and I have a huge variety of recipes that range from quick and easy to elaborate, what's a really good midpoint strategy for keywords? Do I want to talk about the keywords maybe that are the mission of my blog or things I use maybe in my nav bar? What are some good ways to keep consistent with the keywords or does it matter because I have so many varieties of recipes? Well, you'd want to categorize your recipes as the first step. So you might have chicken recipes, beef recipes, one dish recipes, just however you want to categorize your recipes, the different things that you focus on. When you're structuring your website, you want to make it easy and accessible for people to get around. So it's a really intuitive thing of, I have chicken to cook with tonight and I'm going to this food bloggers website. Let's look at all of our chicken recipes all at once. And it works the same way in Pinterest. How do people search recipes? They usually put in their main ingredient they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So they might put in chicken recipes into Pinterest to figure out what can I make with chicken tonight? So that's important to think about when you're looking at your keywords is how can you use chicken recipes 
in your top-level pages of where all of your chicken recipes live in a category, but then also using it maybe once inside of your copy. But then after that, you don't need to use it as much in your pin description of saying chicken recipe in your pin description because it has that rich pin data of if you mm -hmm. have it set up correctly and it's pulling your ingredient list, which I know is very controversial for food bloggers of that they want right. people to click through. But it Pinterest does know that it involves chicken and that mm -hmm. through that metadata, it's going to be able to pull that it's a chicken recipe, that it understands okay. that correlation. Yes. So now that you know, as I'm thinking, as we're talking this through, so let's move over a little bit to the Pinterest board side. So if I want to capture more of that Pinterest traffic to get them over to my chicken recipes, you know, there are so many boards that are titled chicken recipes. Do you have any good strategies or methods for titling boards so that we can move just outside of what everybody else has, which is already a chicken recipe board? Absolutely. So I would think about what makes my chicken recipes unique and what makes them different from everybody else's. So I personally love making one pan dinners because I hate doing dishes yes. and cannot stand it. And as a business owner, I constantly just have a pile of dishes because it's the last thing I want to get to. Right. So if you have chicken dishes, you know, you probably have chicken is so common that there are so many different types of chicken dishes. So then if you can subcategorize from there, and it might be quick and easy chicken dishes or chicken dishes with chicken breast. It's just kind of you got to dig down and figure out what makes your group of recipes unique and what makes your recipes your own. Because that's kind of the struggle food bloggers have that what makes them unique is not just that they've developed this recipe, but the recipe itself needs to have something unique to it. And when you discover what that uniqueness is, that's how you can title your boards of grouping those things together. So it might be one dish, chicken recipes for dinner, or something along those lines of however many words fit into the title. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's a certain number of characters. I, it's probably like less than 50 or something like that. Right. They'd want to play around and kind of figure out what works best, what makes sense, what seems logical. You don't want something that seems really awkward at the same time, that even though SEO is focused on things that are not human, it still has to make sense to humans because if it feels strange, it's not going to get the engagement that you want. And that's really important to focus on as well, because engagement has a huge impact on Pinterest SEO. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And do you think too, you can add more words into the, the description of a board? Do you think those words are just as relevant as board title words? Absolutely. Absolutely. A big question that I get a lot of times is, does it matter how it's written? Some people will just kind of use words, you know, they'll use it very creatively. Chicken recipes, chicken casserole, chicken, all the, you know, they'll list probably 20 or 25. Or does it have to be a well-crafted sentence? That's a really great question because there's, it's a matter of opinion on this one. Okay. And kind of what you have to think about is that each page on Pinterest, not the individual pins, but a board or a profile is a page on a website. So Google and other search engines treat them the same as they treat any other page and anywhere else on the internet. So kind of the thing to keep in mind here is outside of Pinterest, 
There's ways to use Pinterest to leverage keywords that are difficult to obtain on their own right with your website, especially if you're a new blogger. You can use Pinterest to rank well for competitive keywords because Pinterest itself has great SEO. It's a huge extensive website, lots of people link to it. It's an authority website. So it has the ability to rank higher than your competitors. So what you can do is use a board to rank high for a particular keyword. Chicken recipes is a poor example of this because it's so competitive, but say you wanted to rank for chicken recipes, you could make this super definitive chicken recipe Pinterest board that when people put in chicken recipes into Google, you could get that board to rank number one for that, Mm -hmm. that keyword. And even though it's not your website, it's still valuable because people can click through to your Pinterest profile. So an example of this is, I believe it was Goodwill. They made a board of DIY Halloween costumes and they ranked Mm. number one for multiple years of Halloween of Halloween costumes and Halloween costume ideas that those were the two keywords that they ranked highly for. And for Mm. them, that's really great because it helps people recognize the brand of Goodwill. Oh, I can go get pieces for my costume at Goodwill. And then this is a way I can use them. So in terms of content marketing, it was a really great strategy for them that their own website couldn't rank well for that keyword, but their Pinterest page could. So when you're talking about keywords and how to actually write descriptions on the pages, the thing to consider is if you're just doing a list of keywords Google might think that you're trying to do something spammy because that's a practice that used to be really popular in the early 2000s of a way to kind of trick Google into thinking this page has lots of value because it has all of these keywords in it. So your pin descriptions also impact your SEO for that page as well because that's text on the page. So for the page to rank, it considers your description, all the pin descriptions, all the pin names, all the links on the page, All of those different pieces of a board come into its page ranking on Google. So those things do have to play with each other. So what I recommend is writing out engaging descriptions in the board description instead of just piling in as many keywords as you can. Right. And I I would say for people who, especially like myself, who sometimes get concerned about writing or crafting these perfect sentences, just go with it. Just write, you know, what you would expect would be under chicken recipes. And that's how I felt like I've kind of approached it in the past is sometimes the worry of SEO can be so paralyzing Mm -hmm. that you end up not putting anything in at all. And just put something there, just start writing. And you can edit later, you can edit as you go or have someone look it over, but at least put something. Absolutely. Because so many times I see people We do several cleanups a month. And that is one of the biggest things that I see overlooked is people adding in board descriptions. And it's really important that you do that and that you categorize as well because that helps categorize the board on Pinterest. So Pinterest knows where to put those pins or where to put that board. So that's really important too. And category actually also affects Pinterest search and smart feed that both of those things come into play. For instance, if it's categorized in an interest group that's really popular and your pin is really popular, then you can turn up in smart feed more often, which can have just as much of an effect of sending traffic to your website as showing up well in search, that those things kind of complement each other. 
Yeah, is especially since you talked about like engagement mattering more on Pinterest because it can make things rank higher. That's why when we search things, we might see something with, you know, 10,000 repins on it because Pinterest sees that so many people have found it to be relevant. Mm -hmm. They've repinned it. They've clicked on it. They've done something with it. So therefore, even though you're searching chicken recipes, you have these ones that constantly flow to the top because people find them relevant. Right. And that's kind of Pinterest's problem with search Mm -hmm. is that their freshness of new results is difficult. And it's really hard to get into things that are extremely popular on Pinterest. Search specifically because of that reason of the engagement is weighted very heavily in their algorithm in terms of the number of pins and clicks and as well the pin owners profile value score which Pinterest is obviously does not publish but is really important and as well if it's on a group board it's also the group board's owner's profile, as well as the pinner's profile value that those come into play when it comes to Pinterest ranking. So to increase that, what you have to do is use Pinterest well, use it often, provide valuable content and not just your own content and really just be a good pinner and use Pinterest often in the ways that Pinterest advises you to. And that will have an impact on your pin's ability to rank and search. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that because you want to be a good contributor to the community. And you can do that by, you know, contributing great pins, making sure everything's filled out like we've talked about, you know, your pin descriptions, everything on your website too as well. Like making sure all those boxes are ticked and you're not just rushing through. That's really, really important. Absolutely. And Pinterest even says that if you enable rich pins on your website, which every business owner should absolutely do, that that helps you rank better, that they give priority to websites that enable rich pins. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I just had a, a question too from someone else recently about converting their account to a business account. And I think that is also a really important step that a lot of people forget to take. And you miss out on analytics, you miss out on the opportunity to get rich pins. It's really important that you make that conversion because it it will be really, really valuable for sure. Absolutely. And one of my pet peeves from an SEO standpoint that a lot of people don't think about is so many people want to use alt tags for Pinterest descriptions. And that can be super problematic when it comes to Google and Pinterest. They want different things for SEO and alt tags really are not designed for Pinterest. And in Pinterest, doesn't even really want you to use alt tags for your Pinterest descriptions. They want you to use their own tags that they have their own HTML that you should be using versus your alt tags. Because what alt tags really are is just basically the text for someone who is blind, who can't see the image to describe the image to the person. That that's what they were originally designed for way back at the beginning of the web. And Google because it can't see images, uses that alt tag as part of its ranking factors of if it has keywords in it, then therefore the picture must be of that thing, that that's kind of Google's thinking of it. And Google obviously Mm -hmm. is getting smarter at recognizing images like Pinterest does now, but Pinterest really wants you to use their specific HTML tags to put in your description. And you get a lot of benefits from doing that in terms of SEO, because you can separate out the difference of Pinterest description and Google alt tag of the two things that you want. Okay. So describe that just a little bit more because for those who might be confused, so you say alt tag, but I know a lot of people call alt text. Yes. Those two are the same, correct? Yes. They're, they're the same thing. And it, I just say tag because tag is the code word 
for anything in those little carrot brackets that's called a tag in coding okay. speak. So that's why I call it an alt tag. Other people call it alt text. It's the same exact thing. Okay. But it's got it. It's in the code behind your image. It says where to get the image from on your website, on your server. But then it also says alt equals and then whatever the phrases that you include and that describes the image. So that's that alt tag or alt text. For Pinterest, they have their own HTML that you can put behind your image in the code that is something like, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's data-pin-descript or description, something along those lines. And we'll, I have a post about this that we'll be sure to provide to the listeners to take a look at. Okay, good. That that's the way to really point Pinterest to your description and that you could have a Pinterest description that's unique. There's a couple other things that this tags also does. It says to Pinterest, if this image is repinned, you can count it as a repin to my image of the specific Pinterest pin ID, which for engagement statistics is really important because that when it's originated from your website, it counts as a repin on your original pin, which can help boost the SEO of that particular pin. Okay. And so you would have to manually add this in to every single post. Yes. Before. Okay. Cause I've, I know there was people who talked about had, they had done it for a while to try to boost repin numbers on their pins, but had stopped doing it and kind of defaulted. But you are suggesting that Pinterest prefers that over just filling in the alt text. Right. And that's something that the engineers have said on their blog before of this is something you should use because it gives you more features. And anytime Pinterest gives us additional features, there's a reason why they're doing it. Pinterest is a business and they're not going to spend money developing something to add a feature for us to use that then they're not going to use in the way that they create their platform. And that's just best business practices for any business. You don't really want to do extra work that you're not going to see any benefits from or be able to use in your business. Mm -hmm. So Pinterest also allows you in this tag to also create a secondary image. So you can display an image on your website, but then when someone goes to pin it, it can be a Pinterest specific image that's longer, or you can put a call to action on your website embedded in your image, but then that doesn't appear on Pinterest when they pin that image. Correct. And there's also, I don't know if you use this, but I know the social warfare plugin will help people do that as well if they're not right. code savvy or tech savvy or any of that kind of stuff and they don't want to hide images with the code. I know that that plugin will do it as well. I think that's the only one that does. And I've made for my own clients and for my website, I made a WordPress plugin that allows me to do this when I upload my images, that if you're WordPress savvy at all, it's really easy to do that you just add a custom field when you upload your images. But that's, I mean, it's a little bit more technologically savvy and requires more advanced coding knowledge. But for those people out there that know how to code in WordPress, that's something you can do. And I highly recommend it. Yeah. And in the show notes too, we'll have kind of some screenshots and descriptions and links to your posts. So everyone can kind of figure out how to do this as well. Cause I know that for most people, just filling in the alt text is very simple and easy way to do it, but also want to explore other ways. Like you said, as Pinterest has given this, you know, tool, we want to be able to use it as well to further promote our content on the platform. Absolutely. So that's really, really good. There were a few questions that people had asked in the Facebook group that we're a part of that I want to bring up here. And some we might have already gotten to, but 
we'll just ask these two. One of the questions are, what are the best places to find keywords to include, which we talked about that with Keyword Planner? Are long tail keywords better than short tail keywords? Let's address that really quick. And can you give just a brief description, long tail versus short tail, and if it matters? So long tail keywords are just basic keyword phrases that have more words in them. So instead of, for instance, pizza, it would be pizza places in Arkansas, that that's a long tail keyword. I'm here in Arkansas, and I might search for a pizza place in Arkansas. I might put in a long tail keyword of pizza places in Arkansas, whereas a short tail keyword is just pizza places. Obviously, competition for short tail keywords is much higher. And in particular industries, it's just impossible to rank for short tail keywords, specifically fashion, beauty, and Mm -hmm. food. Those are the things that are typically the hardest to rank for short tail keywords. Everything on Pinterest, basically. Yeah, basically (laughs) everything on Pinterest. And and that's kind of the unfortunate bit. So targeting long tail keywords is more important, especially as more and more people create more and more content and things begin to get more and more drowned out, really getting those really good long tail keywords and creating what we call 10x content or content that is just so 10 times better than all the other content out there is really what's going to help you drive traffic to your website. And searching for long tail keywords comes down to just brainstorming and thinking of ways that people are going to be talking about the the topic that your content is about. The problem with long tail keywords is it's really hard to find data of how much traffic there might be on a long tail keyword versus a short tail keyword. And the reason for that is a lot of long tail keywords are not often searched. However, they're more valuable depending on what the keyword is, because it might be someone who's looking to take a particular action that you might be able to sell them a product or you have the content exactly what they're looking for and you can generate ad revenue. It just kind of depends on what strategy you're using to generate revenue on your website and what action that keyword might be looking to take of the person who's searching for that keyword. Okay, got it. Okay, that's a that's a great explanation. Someone also said, which we talked about a little bit earlier with the chicken, but they would like kind of a compare well-worded board and description against not so good. So what's a quick example of the good and the bad? So a great pin has, you know, a great image that has some text on the image, all of those things in terms of of the optimizing the image itself. But the board description, a well-worded Pinterest description is not too long. So you don't, you don't want to be writing an entire paragraph, but it's not very short either. It's about 25 words seems to be a good point. And, you know, Kate, you'll know specifically a lot more on the numbers on this, but I've seen that there's a sweet spot for how long interest description should be. No more than two sentences is what I find when you get way longer than that. People just, just, they don't read. No, (laughs) not at all. That's kind of the thing that you have to remember about the web. People don't read very often Mm -hmm. and people skim things. So a well-worded description is going to have the important keyword as the very first word. Mm, So that's because people don't read and they look at the beginning of it before they kind of just skim through the rest of the description if they're even looking at it at all. So that's really important. And as well, you want to make sure that you have a call to action in your pin description, because if someone is reading it, you want to give them a reason to click. So that's the other thing to consider is that engagement has an impact on your 
rankings in Pinterest search. So it's important to get people to click as much as possible. And I've seen people put their web address in almost every single description. I don't recommend that, but what are your thoughts on that? I don't recommend that as a call to action. Instead, it might be something like, check out my chicken recipe and lots of other great recipes for one dish dinners or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something a little more subtle. Right. You would also get in that chicken recipe keyword. You're also getting in your one dish dinner recipe keyword phrase Mm -hmm. of make sure that your keyword phrases are still incorporated in your call to action. Mm -hmm. Okay. One of the things that I know just completely baffles people, and sometimes it baffles me, is why you get a board that ranks almost one or two in search on Google, and it has no description, and it's just from a regular non-business user. Why is it that they have hit the jackpot and they probably don't even know or care? It has a lot to do with the board's value itself and how many links it, when we're talking about Google specifically, and this is separate from if you see a pin show up in Pinterest search that has like no description and seems valueless. Mm-hmm. So in Google itself, one of the biggest ranking factors is the number of links back to something. So if there are a lot of other pins that come from that board, that can have an impact is that that's been something that others SEOs have studied that mm-hmm. if there is, if a board has a lot of pins on it, it's huge. That has a lot to do with it's going to rank well because it's got lots and lots and lots of content on it. And each one of those descriptions on a pin is text on the page. So basically, if a board has thousands of pins on it, you've got between two sentences for every pin. So it's actually a massive page in terms of text. So that's one reason why some boards will show up high in search. If it's got a lot of repins off of it, that can have an impact too, because Google does take into account social signals. Okay. So that's something that, that can have impacts on it. Or it's just, you're searching for a unique keyword amalgamation. Pinterest has on its own very good SEO And it might be that Pinterest as a domain ranks better for that keyword overall than the competitors on the same search results. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. So here's one example. We have a tiny little foster baby in our house who gets a ton of baby cereal, which we don't use. And so actually I Googled one day what to do with leftover baby cereal. And I ended up finding a Pinterest board that was titled things to do with leftover baby cereal. That was number one. And when I went to it, it had probably 40 pins on it. And it was filled with repins too as well. But no description, regular user with like 100 followers or something like that. It was very fascinating that that was number one. Sure. And I've actually brought it up right now to take a look at it and see what about it in particular may have brought it up. But the thing you'll notice on this board, most of the descriptions are actually really long. Ah, okay. If people pull up this board, it's actually called things to do leftover baby cereal. Mm-hmm. So when you type in that keyword, you probably leaving out what's called a stop word things to do mm-hmm. with with is a stop word. So okay. they have taken the stop word out of their title, which is kind of odd, but that might yeah. that might have to do with it. It's an exact match, which means that oh, it's the exact same keyword okay. as you typed in. But right. it's it's still ranking well because it's got baby cereal 
all over the book. Yeah. <laughs> that it's, I mean, almost every single one of these pins has to do with baby cereal. Okay. So it gives more weight to the fact that if we're going to create a board, we want to make sure that those keywords are used, not just in the board title, like we talked about, but also description and pin descriptions right. everywhere in a good way. Every single time you can write text, you should be thinking, how can I put a keyword here? And does it make sense to do so? That's the caveat. If it doesn't make sense to do so, don't put a keyword there. Okay. That's good to know. That'll that'll stop people from trying to keyword stuff everything they possibly can, right. which people, you know, even though they don't read, you have to remember that some people do, and it does come off very robotic and not natural. The more people are likely to click on something, the more they probably are going to read the description. So that's something to keep in mind too, of that people, when they get interested in something, that's when they read more. Exactly. They're going to get sucked more into it. Right. And so on Pinterest, on the other side, if you see a pin that's high in Pinterest search, it's because there have been a lot of repins off of it usually, or that pin has a lot of engagement or it's off of a popular board or a popular pinner. Those are typically the reasons why you'll see that. Okay. So let's start kind of wrapping it up towards maybe some really good tools and resources. So if you're the newbie, as we've talked about earlier, what would you use to start the process of just starting to keyword. Keyword planner was one. Right. And that one's advanced, but really difficult to use. So actually use the tools that you already know and love. So Pinterest is a great way to find keywords. So one of the things you want to do is just plug in your main keyword into Pinterest search that you're thinking about using, and then see what comes up as in the guided search boxes. Each one of those is an additional keyword phrase that you can kind of incorporate into your keyword research to then take those keywords, put them in the keyword planner tool and see how well they perform, if they're worth pursuing. But keep in mind that keyword planner tool traffic is going to be different than Pinterest traffic, that those numbers are different. So you might find that if something's high up in guided search, that means that it's popular in guided okay. search because guided search is dynamic. It changes all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be able to tell you the popularity of that particular keyword in combination with your other keyword. Okay. Got it. Then you can also go to Google. You can use Google instant, which is that autofill feature that Google will start to pop up the rest of what you're typing. That's a good okay. way to find keyword ideas. And they have a little bit of that on Pinterest too. When you start typing, it'll give you those same kind of search prediction terms as well. Right. And then also go to social media and type in the keyword that you're thinking about and see what people are saying about it. See what you, words that they're using to describe that particular thing that you're talking about. And that can help you isolate even more keyword ideas. Okay. So if they want more information about SEO and even about you, because you have so much information that we just talked about in the last 45 minutes. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. It is a, a ton of information. So where should they go? So the places outside of my website that you can start looking at Moz and that's M-O-Z. That's the definitive SEO learning website. They have SEO tools that they really promote on their website, but it has a massive community of SEOs that talk about different SEO questions. It's a really great place to turn to. If you have questions, you can look through the Q&A forums and see what other people have talked about. You can ask questions if you, if you buy their products is the only problem is you can't mm -hmm. go ask questions yourself unless you're a subscriber. Okay. The other thing to look at is search engine land, 
were Search Engine Watch. They're actually two separate websites, but both of them provide news and kind of whatever's been changing in search engines lately and whatever updates there might be because there are updates all the time in search engine optimization. It's just constantly changing. So that's a really good way to keep up with that news. But both of the, those can get really technical pretty quickly. Okay. Got it. So, so kind of one place to go to if you don't want to have to deal with all the technical stuff is my blog and my newsletter that I round up what has happened in actionable steps to take that you don't have to really understand what things like search engine degradation means, but you can understand what you're supposed to do to prevent that because you can get really technical <laughs> of yes. I'm sure that when I say words like that, people's eyes glaze over. So totally. Oh, <laughs> mind you for sure. Right. So I avoid that sort of talk about SEO and SEO has a reputation of being like bro in a basement who became an SEO rock star. that that's something I can't stand and try to avoid that at all costs. So okay. my SEO content is very approachable and it, you'll find it's very feminine that if you've ever been intimidated by SEO bros, this is the place for you for sure. Good. That is so great to hear. Somebody who can break it down into simple, actionable steps instead of this overwhelming technical, you're just lost and you give up before you even start. So we appreciate that for sure. Well, Kim, thank you so much. This was just packed with so much information. And for everyone else, we'll have the information and all the links that Kim talked about in the show notes, links to her website and her newsletter. And we'll be sharing all of that so you can go get up on your SEO game, if you will, for both Pinterest and for Google. So thanks so much, Kim. Thanks so much for having me. Kim just shared with us some amazing information. We'll have all the links and all the helpful tips in the show notes at simplepinmedia.com slash three. While you're over there, don't forget to leave a review for us in iTunes and make sure you're signed up for the Simple Pin newsletter that comes out every single Wednesday. Just go to simplepinmedia.com. <laughs>